just go. You don't care if I... Louder. We need the hook. Where's the hook? It's coming. Relax. <laughs> it takes a second. Oh, I like this. Huh. Is Calvin Harris the vocalist on this? No, he's just the DJ. So I don't know who the vocalist is. That's Rag and Bone. Rag and Bone, man. Well, we're rolling. I like it too. I like it. Welcome to Hello, Hello. You're on. Hi, Mal. It's on. How are you? And it's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I know you're fully prepared and have been briefed in great detail, but welcome. Thanks. to my podcast. It's Notel's second podcast, first podcast, actually, about Notel. Uh, you know, about the in-the-know one, right? Yep. That one's kind of other people, but Hello, Hello is us. Great. The people who make Notel do its thing. Wear that thing. Put it on your clip, whatever. Oh, okay. So, so we're going to, yeah. You know, I am not a very hierarchical person, so I wouldn't, actually, I don't even know. You, you, do you say your name, McMen- McMenamin? Yeah, very, very McMenamin. good. That's like the, the brewery in Portland. <laughs> McMenamin's? McMenamin's. Oh, that's different? It's a bit different, yeah. Fine. Different vowels. um, I guess uh, you and Trevor teach everyone all around the world how to sell no-tells. Is that roughly how you think about what you do? Yeah. I think think we hopefully instill sales skills in general, and Uh then how to sell no-tell is... It comes oh. comes after. Oh, that. I see. It's like a higher. Well, it's a higher have, plane. Yeah, you have to have that skill and knowledge. I think first and foremost, uh, and then we hire people that love Notel and are passionate about what we're doing. So that comes pretty easily. But I think you have to have the base there. All right, we're going to come back around to that. But first, yeah. we got to find out where you came from. Okay. Where have you come from, Ange? I have the sense that you're from like some mountainous place with a lot of outdoor sports, uh, and I'm basing that off of. You're, uh, you're, you're probably the highest achieving athlete that I'm aware of in the Notel ecosystem, right? Aren't you like or just the, the world champion of something or other? At this age. But yeah, so first generation, uh, parents came over to have a better life here in America. And, oh, from where? Uh, both from Ireland. Really? You're yeah. Irish? Oh, I guess the name. Yeah, obvious. the name kind of says it all. But, uh, yeah, so came over here and just, you know, this is kind of my, oh, my why story really quickly, but grew up uh, with parents that were really hardworking and never really got anything handed to me. It was always kind of like you had to earn it and do it yourself. And so I also never grew up saying I wanted to be a salesperson. And then... Does anyone? Is that a thing? I think now it's more likely to, but back uh-huh. then it wasn't, right? There were no... There were no majors in it. There was just... Is there a major in it now? Yeah, in some, school, in some wow. schools. Wow. Yeah. Really? So what was it to be a salesperson? Well, whatever. It just wasn't in your mind. It just you wasn't just in my like, mind. Yeah. yeah. You had some of the I just want to be a world right? champion flag football player exactly. or whatever. Flag like <laughs> like football the weekend. the weekday. But, uh... So then it was the first, it was the dot com boom uh, when I graduated college and then got a got a chance to work at a startup called City Search which back then oh my was God. The, the Yelp before Yelp yeah of course which, I know it super well you do you know, I mean the small world factor on this is mind bending would you like to know I would love to know in college I had made my own clone of City Search did you like a hybrid City Search open tabley kind of deal in New York it was terrible and it was super small we had like fifty restaurants or whatever it wasn't important yeah but I was kind of noodling on it and one of my claims to fame. Uh, I mean, for me, is I made the first website that let you order a pizza from Domino's. 
That's great. In like 1995 or That's something like amazing. that. And I think about 11 people used it. We would send like a fax to, it, to the local Domino's. And one of our board members at Notel, Linda Fain Levinson, was one of the original venture capitalists that backed City Search and took it public. So you were there yeah. with Linda at the same time. Yeah, at and IAC. you didn't hardly knew. Yeah, it was that was so fun then. I was there for nine years, which nobody's ever there. Whoa. I know. <laughs> Almost a decade I spent there. Oh my goodness. But you that's are... but but it was so I mean, that I'm, I'm leaning back in my chair and feeling a bit uncomfortable. I'll cross my legs now. We've changed the conversation. Well, my life changed very much after that from all the little startups and big startups that I went to. But yeah, it was great. It was such a good product market fit. People mm. finding you know restaurants, bars, spas in the city. Yeah, actually, it's a, it. What went wrong? Yelp. Superseded, so I think I Yelp um, at a certain point, and IAC probably didn't like keep up the game. They did. You know? They had so many other businesses that they really wanted to focus right. on as they should have I think but Yelp came into the market and just took hold of really the whole reviews that's the reviews weren't a big thing for us it was more about placement and advertising right. just having the information and then of course you guys are really focused on monetizing through ads exactly. at that time yeah exactly. and it was that the area that you were in so you were not put on this earth to do sales but you found yourself yeah so, so I started doing it, it. Uh-huh. and I started doing it with some obviously something that I was really I loved so just to take a step back my parents owned restaurants and bars my whole life. Ah. So that whole small to medium-sized business, Uh. you know, that grind, I saw and lived. This is like the Irish tradition of entrepreneurship is like restaurants and bars. I mean, the Kennedy family, I I only recently found this out, like that's their origin story. Like the dude, the grandfather of, or the great-grandfather of the president uh, moves to Boston, has nothing, like works in a bar, saves some money, opens a bar, then he's got five, and then his son is like a big, you know. Right, and it goes from there, Yeah. yeah. So the hardships and the pain from owning a small business, a medium-sized business, obviously I saw. So it was really easy for me to relate when selling City Search. And so my why was, you know, why I, like I'm competitive and I want to, you know, I want to help these small businesses. And then I was like, wow, and I'm doing well and I'm making money. And I was like, oh wow, okay, I'll continue this, right? Hmm. And then it was like, this is something that I'm good at. I love to do. Uh, and why I spent such a long time at City Search, City Search was because I got into management. And then my why shifted from just about me and my performance and my income to more of helping people hit their, their why and he- helping people hit their performance and make money. And so uh, I loved this it. This is the meta. You turn into it. a meta kind of growth sales customer person. Totally. Yeah, but so then, okay, then, uh, all right, City Search. In a, yep. in, a, in a way, it's like actually quite similar. You were calling on small businesses, asking them to you know, I guess, make more money by advertising on, on City Search. Yeah, yep, exactly. And your, your teams were a bit different than the way we do it at Notel, right? It must have been like an inside operation. It was outside, mainly really? at first. Yeah, because you wanted to get face-to-face with these people. They had never spent money on online advertising, right? Like, this was the first, their first step into that. Mm. So you had to really explain it. And then had it really work on the return on the investment, right? So if you're giving us $1,000, $2,000 a month, and it's a cost per click, it's like, well, they're like, okay, so... You're, you're charging me $2,000, but how do I know people are coming in? And that's yeah. we had to help them with the return on investment. The yeah, how did you... All right, well, all, all the mechanics on that are super fascinating, and I want to learn more because this is what killed my effort in this. You know, I made the one pizza ordering website for one crazy guy who owned his own Domino's franchise, and then we made a website because we thought, okay, there'll be a ton of these. And we had a few restaurants who paid us of the, like, 50 or 100 or 200, right. whatever. We kind of did the Upper West Side of Manhattan. A few of them paid us. It was a huge pain in the ass. It was tons of meetings. It was always, like, totally. some super busy... Very self-important 
small business person who's like as hard to get to as the CEO of a public company almost. It was like so hard. Well, that's why we couldn't do inside sales. We had to barge into that restaurant and see that person. Uh Uh-huh. That was the hardship of that. But like, how did that, how how do you even like... It was hard. uh Uh-huh. It was hard. And so that's... Because you're also selling something they don't know they need. Like they have no felt need. Exactly. Like occasionally, presumably, you would bump in on somebody who's like, oh yeah, the internet, I I need to be on it. My son tells me it's a big deal or whatever. Right. They weren't savvy. They didn't know. Uh, Some knew, but some didn't really care. So we had Uh to convince them of that and then also convince them, yeah, that you should spend, you know, every single month you should be on with us because you're getting Turn it into a subscription instead of a trial and then you got to measure and show results. But how, okay, fine. But take me through the mechanics. So how would you like open doors in that place? Because our business is quite different. We're going to get to our business in in a minute. But like... How do you even open doors when somebody doesn't know they need your thing and they're crazy busy and focused only on How do you get new customers? Just in general? Yeah, that's what I mean. You have to just ask those questions, right? Like, Uh how are you getting new customers? How do people find you? Back then, like, Uh how did people find you if they, if you were in Flatiron? Right, exactly. Are you just relying on people walking by? Like, you have to just ask them and make them realize Uh that they actually, do you want more business? Do you need more business? Of course. Who's going to say no to that? Right? Uh, And so... Surprisingly Okay, enough. so they're like, okay, that sounds interesting. Then what's the next move? Then it's like so, materials or like exactly. you open then, a laptop. You know, there were no laptops. It was like you sit down we did at not, a, We did not like a laptop around <laughs> back then, no. Um, it was more about, I, and I say this a lot, it was more about just relationship building, right? Like people bought from me. Um, I asked them great questions. You know, I was like really professional and polite, but it was, I formed relationships with them and I could, re- and I could relate. And just like anything you sell, you have to have some passion and just be able to really you know, emulate what you're selling. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, Hey, it was more of a, trust me, like this is going to work for you. This is a pretty hardcore experience because of what you were selling, because it was so hard and so it was such a, like a retail sale. Presumably in this period, you developed some theories about like, what is the nature of an effective salesperson and how they match against different kinds of opportunities. And I'm curious about that. And that's probably how you got yourself to this like meta layer of hiring, managing, and teaching large, yeah. large forces. Yeah, there's the, there's a relationship builder, there's the consultative approach, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's the, the person that, and we have a couple here, that no matter what their approach is, and quite honestly, they probably don't even know, they're really damn good at sales. And oh, just magic. Just magic. No one they're knows. Just, well, there's, you, look, sales is well, a you li- probably little bit of luck, a little bit know. of skill, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, there are some people that just, they don't know their methodology, and they just still are really good. They're convincing. But you must know when you watch them. So the relationship builder looks deep into your eyes, understands you. They're from the same place you are. They mirror your they gestures and motions. They follow your cadences. They're interested in everything you're interested in. They know about it and add things. They're like, I went there too. Yeah. Oh, my uncle's really into that. Yeah. That's the relationship exactly. person, right? right. And, then, and that affinity is often what gives people trust, and then they're happy to, to do something. That's probably right. one of the you patterns. people you trust, right. Yeah, and then consultative's another. That's, that is an approach where I think there's a lot of... Uh, questions asked at the right time the timing's really important on questions and then it's more of this conversation about their business and it's really digging deep into like what they want and how they you know and how they perceive their business and that's a, it's a I think sort of a longer process but it's also very um, successful in many mm. ways well and, and and I guess it requires pre- preparedness Exactly. Uh, like if you show up and ask a lot of questions, don't have any answers, you're kind of useless. You're kind of useless. You're sort of, you just make me worried as yeah. opposed to being like, how, how do you get business? Oh, well, did you know there's a new way? Did you know that restaurant two blocks away, we totally. were able to do this for them? Totally. That kind of. And there's account. a, there's a methodology that I've like done a lot of work on called solution selling. And it's just the way in which you ask questions to really get that buyer to mm-hmm. be like, wow, I need, you know, the light goes off. Mm-hmm. I need to buy from you. And so, 
Um, it takes a lot of practice and training. I prefer the personal side, but I do think a little bit of mixture is is. I think well. that I think the relation. Th do you think I'm good at that? Yes. You think I am? Because I don't cultivate it very intentionally. I mean, I. Hmm, I think of myself as a very rational, consultative type person. Yeah, I, but I do think you do some of that mm -hmm. personal stuff. I'm wearing my Chinese jacket for our Japanese visitors today. Exactly. Is that the wrong move? Did no, I offend that them? That was a good move. They liked it. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> well played. <Yeah. laughs> okay, well, is there another family out there for somebody who doesn't feel natural? Because, like, some people don't feel natural on the relationship thing. They just feel weird, yeah. you know. And with some situations, you feel weird, even if you are a master. Like, there are some chameleon-like people who can really match on everyone, but there's some people that it's hard to match on because okay. they're unusual, or a different culture, hard, different situation. Hard to crack, right? Right, some yeah. ice-cold kind of people. And then the consultative approach. And then what else What else are with any other yeah, the, I mean, those menus? Are the, the, those are the pig families? Yeah, those are the no? big ones that, um, yeah. I mean, Is there a hyper-transactional version, just like take it or leave it, bargain, deadline? <laughs> You're fired, that kind of person? Yeah, I mean, that's not, I don't think that's great. Most people don't now. encourage that approach. <laughs> 2019, yeah. I think back in 20 years ago, uh -huh. I think it Glenn was. Gary, Glenn Ross. I you don't watch that movie on repeat, no? no? I'm not on repeat, but I've, <laughs> I've seen it plenty of times, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, so you develop your theory of how to do this stuff, and then I guess by the end of City Search, uh, you must have been training and managing lots of people. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I, I guess you're responsible for uh, folks all around the world at Notel. How many are there on different growth teams around the world? So we're, for just AEs and SDRs, we're probably around, what, 20 right now? Oh, it's not so. that many, really. Yeah. It's extraordinary, yeah. the productivity per headcount, then. It's I mean, amazing. we're doing, like, a ton of business. It's amazing. I mean, we won't tell our listeners, because who knows who they are, but, like, wow. Yeah. I mean, that number is going to continue expanding, but I suppose a year ago at this time, it might have only been, like, four or something. Right. So, yeah, right. but just outside of New York, yeah, mm -hmm. 20. All right, so then where'd you go? So then you, you left City Search, you were attracted to some crazy scheme somewhere. And, Small right? startup. Uh -huh. uh, it's a local New York startup called Hopstop. It, oh, I know it super well. Yeah. I so, can't believe it. Really? Yeah. Shinidu recruited you? Or? Shinidu was amazing. He, oh. I was a board member first while I was at City Search. Right, because you're an advisor, an expert. I was an advisor, yeah. and, yeah, and he, needed my, yeah, he needed my intelligence on you know, cracking the kind of regional sales, small to medium size. That's sale. incredible. Did you know that we know Trinidad in common? Or no, I didn't. He's amazing. Smart guy. Great entrepreneur. And yeah. so brings me on board. And it was just my, it was my, literally my platform to get out of City Search, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're almost a decade. It's like, it's like getting a divorce. I go to Hops, <laughs> I go to Hopstop, you know, like I go rent to Rent an this apartment at another company. <laughs> exactly. This small startup um, where I was able to kind of you know, escape what I've been doing for 10 years and, and really just try and find a new skill. Hmm. And so there for a year, I helped, um, at that time, Shinidu stepped down. He was and, leaving, right? And, and Joe, Joe Meyer. Yeah. Meyer? Yeah. Was that his name? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, because there's from... another Joe Meyer in our world these days. But I remember that guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we yeah. were pals. And then, like, somehow magically this deal happens with Apple. Right. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was a win. That's it was a win yeah. for me. Yeah. I had I'd left at that time. Um, and... and Based off of, we were kind of getting... I mean, it was amazing there. timing. Like, obviously, Hopstock was a very cleverly thought-out business. It wasn't yet, like, a rival to, yeah. like, Yelp or City Search or whatever, but it performed a very useful function, and it just happened to be the moment that Apple really needed to figure out how to do, like, transportation, transit, kind of whatever in their Maps thing, and then yeah. bam. Yeah. And it was, it was such a good app. I mean, for any New Yorker that used yes. it that's listening, I mean, people loved it. They were, yes. I mean, obsessed with it, you Yes, know? it was very, very good. And the good. way that people feel these days about City Mapper. Yeah, you ever check that funny. one out? Now I'm using it because I go to London a lot, so yeah. I think it's better there. But yes, it's people love it. Wow. Okay. So you spend so, a year at Hopstop. How cool! What a small world. Yeah, 
and uh, and then it was. And was it sales though? By the way, at City, at, totally, at, at, yeah, at Hopstop. Running, um, trying just, to get like people to pay, put ads on there. Exactly. Uh-huh. So you, we knew exactly where people were going. So if somebody was going to uh-huh. Times Square, yeah, we could target that. So you'd go to the same merchants that you used to call on with City Search and be like, "Listen, people, I know fifteen thousand people that are getting out of this train stop every day." Like, right. We were trying to go out market, which everybody okay. tries to do. So more of like regional sales, and so maybe a oh, all the chains, all the train exactly. stops. Okay. Exactly, exactly, <clears throat> because that's where more of the money was. Okay, so, so now this is a different kind of transaction. Presumably at City Search, you got yourself there too, because it is a pain in the ass to be walking down the street and trying to get like pain in the ass. Yep. Yeah, and then so you leveled up at some point at City Search too, where you're doing system wide deals, where you're trying to get McDonald's or Starbucks exactly. or whatever to put their logo on the map, right. and so you try to do the same thing at at, at Hop Stop. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then it becomes the daily deal error oh my god yeah so so for me it was a perfect fit well. because we were talking about this at city search how do they really know that it actually it's working how do they know their online advertising is working i would talk them through some strategies and ways to kind of check who was coming in from city search now it was like somebody's bringing you something you know exactly where that person came from now you can track the roi is no question for me it was like a no-brainer i have all these relationships with these small businesses i see just turn them all into deal team. people yeah it was like it was that was it and so um I which went, one yeah so what two but um oh. i wanted something differentiated i wanted something really unique i wanted something bespoke premiere went to guilt city Oh, Guilt, sure. So yeah, Guilt how... City. I remember that one super well, too. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm pals with Kevin Ryan, and yeah. I think I even know the people who ran. Let's see. Uh, Steven Schneider, I think. Had yeah, a big he role ran it for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's like my high school friend. Wow. We were on the debate team together. I mean, we're still pals. Oh, that's amazing. I probably came to your office while you were there probably. to visit him, and he gave me like a tote, like a Guilt tote that I still have at home <laughs> yep. in the closet. Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. I mean, Guilt was... Again, the you guys were just walking down the street, just like raking in customer. Demand. I mean, in New York, yeah. So yeah. my goal was to build. I mean, my job was to build New York out and then launch in several U.S. and U.S. cities that made sense, right? It was a member-only community, and so we couldn't go to every U.S. city. So it was, you know, a few we went to, um, but there was nothing like selling in New York because everybody loved guilt, and so and, that, yeah. and at that time that e-commerce and it was a pretty high-end thing. It was the high-end version of even like whatever all the other deal things right it was like fancier brands. exactly it was more of you're not getting a 20 you know a 20 for 40 coupon you were getting a six course meal meeting the chef in their you know the kitchen the chef's table right i liked that i, I wish that kind of thing still existed actually maybe it does but back then i was meeting chefs and you having six course meals i haven't <laughs> totally. continued <laughs> totally so you went okay cool wow and so now i mean wow this is like a very continuous through line in the stuff that you've done up until the point, this point in the story, I mean, you've been up-leveled now to some of the big regional yeah. powerful brands and stuff like that, but you're helping people sell and convert local. And it's it's about merchants getting business done either through ads or through transactions. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Amazon called me. Oh, they did was, a deals thing? It, yeah, they did a deal thing. It was short-lived, but it Wait, was... Wait, was it their investment Am- in the one in D.C.? Or? It was Amazon Local, and oh. then we invested into Living Social, oh, yeah. which was a big competitor. Yeah. How fascinating. And that's where I grew a team. I had 50 people under me. We had, um, that's where it became more transactional as far as inside sales. And that was my first, like, actually managing and An inside a performing team. inside sales team. Which we call SDRs, I guess. Or well, not exactly. No, no these were wrong? actually AEs. They were full, uh-huh. um, full. Like, oh, like account. the whole life cycle of the account, but yeah. doing it inside. But inside. Yeah. They didn't need to go. We had a small sales, uh, outside sales team in New York, but it was mm-hmm. more about calling because we had the name. Hey, this is Amazon. Everybody's going to take a call. Oh, really? That oh, was the yeah. difference. Oh, yeah. Everybody would get on the phone with us. Oh. 
that part was that wow, it's that, it's that powerful because then your cost per lead must be transformationally different. Like when you go outside, I presume the cost per lead is like so hundreds per so per more. like opportunity yeah, or the something. Productivity, the productivity, yeah. the yeah, it's it's so different. Yeah, like how would you do them? So like outside, because now you've been through the entire arc. I'm sure you know all the numbers off by heart. If we wanted to do a deals business and we had to do it outside, how many opportunities do you think me, a master relationship seller in a Chinese jacket, could pull off in a day? Uh, so let's talk about meetings, yeah. right? So you could probably get three solid meetings. A day. A day. Oh, God. Where you could do, on the phone, I mean, we could do, like, we were doing 10 to 12. Wow. And that's that's the difference, right? The productivity and the, and just, it's so much more efficient. So it's a super tangible delta that brand buys you on, yeah. on pipeline. Yep. Mm. And then the, the, the probability to convert, was it comparable? Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, so it got to Groupon and Living Social. They, it got so hyped up at that time. I mean, it was people started to hear negative press. And I'm right. just going to leave it the there. The wave of, like, yeah. merchants having trouble with that stuff. And I guess that was an early sign for Amazon. Like, okay, maybe this thing's not really going to work out. Screw it. Right. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was, you know, Amazon, they do a great job of investing a lot in a lot of different businesses, and they just put a ton of resources mm-hmm. to it, and, and you kind of run with it. And so I had the opportunity to go to London and live there and grow out the team there. And, you know, we, we tried really hard to keep separate from the, the, the group puns of the world that we wanted to treat, <clears throat> excuse me, these customers and these businesses really well. You know, mm-hmm. we had that Amazon name. And so, oh, right. you know, we right. wanted, they're all, I mean, Amazon's all about customer service, right? So... So we tried, and then it was just, what happens, it's a rev share model, right? Yeah. And so we tried to keep our price point, you know, 50-50, right? So on that $10 coupon, we're taking five, and they're, and the uh, customer's taking five, where our competitors would give, you know, 80% to the customer, and they would take 20. And it was just c- kept cutting and cutting, and mm-hmm. Amazon was like, this is not going to go well. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, arguably, it's a defensive move just on the topic of strategy. I mean, in Korea, for example, where there isn't really a strong Amazon I guess the the deal site became Amazon mm-hmm. coupon, and perhaps that would have been possible for like the gilts and whatnot, but the 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 sort of defensive strategy from Amazon just put enough pressure on those dudes that they never could ever right. become real e-commerce. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But tell me about the selling mechanic there. Okay. Sure. So one thing you figured out or you had the opportunity to do was like to convert by phone. So some of the team was by phone. And some of it was outside or not much at all? Just a small team in New York, just mm-hmm. for really the higher-end restaurants. Oh, okay. That, yeah, restaurants were obviously the best seller for uh-huh. these a daily deal site, right? Everybody totally. Everybody eats out, right? Yeah. And everybody goes to get a massage, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I do, but <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly not, yeah. Mm. Uh, so, so, but how do you, so if it's a relationship or a consultative sale, can you do a relationship sale on the phone? Like, hello? I guess yeah, you use the yeah. Amazon brand? Do you use a... Yeah, so the, the brand, we were selling the brand uh-huh. big time there, um, and we were, and then just... Exactly. Brand recognition. You're being on the Amazon platform, right? The visibility. Status. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the ROI. Like you're, you, we, we'd like to compare our customers or our members were more going to spend X amount more than a Groupon or a Living Social. And that's mm. kind of how we, we did that play. That's how we really differentiated ourselves. Hmm. So. And so, but not a consultative, I guess. As much as it could be, I right? See. As much as it could huh. be. I mean, you're dealing with these restaurant Bar, they're super busy. They're just going to take yeah, a flyer. Like, on you. What do you want? Right. Uh, how how can I get more customers? Do you want to be in business with Amazon and get more customers? Exactly. Yes or no? Yeah. I mean, that was the that was the play. Wow, that's so interesting. It's really interesting to hear you think about it this way because I, perhaps, I mean, clearly, very naively presume that 
the decision process is much more analytical and fact-based for folks. But I guess the more busy you get and the more complicated the decision is, the more you just have to trust that the people you're working with are going to do the right thing. Yeah. Hmm. Especially in those businesses. So how do we do it at Notel? How do we do what? Our sale? Our thing, yeah. Yeah, so I think... Because uh, it has a few differences which I think are very convenient. Like, everybody needs it the way everybody needs to eat out, I guess. And, um, you know, like 10% of the entire market is moving every year. So that, that means a lot of people are on the market at any given time. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, I guess they're searching with some kind of, like, need. You know, they're moving and they kind of need to make a decision in a way that people buying ads, you have to sort of surface the need for them. You, d- you definitely do. Yeah. So, it's, so you, honestly, we start with asking questions, right, about what exactly they want, what they're looking for, and then it's the needs, and then it's making them feel pain, which I don't think a lot of these people have really done before. To be aware of what their problem is, as opposed to folks who are just like, let me take you on a tour all day long, and it's like, are you going to spend the rest of your life on a tour? No. Exactly. Is it that kind of thing? Exactly, is that what you mean? yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's realizing, and it, it even gets into more details when we actually show our pricing, because I think they've never considered everything in one you know, one amount. Total cost of ownership. Total yeah. cost. And then versus like all these other things, they've never added added up. So we have to help them. It's a that. familiar idea in so many other complex sale categories, the total cost of ownership. I mean if you're selling like airplanes or databases, right. like right. you do the math. It is so weird to me that such a huge line item has never seen a total cost of ownership right. calculation. It's so weird. Right. Well we're changing that. Mm. Right, and we're helping with that education, and I think that's where it comes down to, like just building the rapport, asking the right questions, and then educating them. Like this is the way that the future is moving. Right. Yeah. So, what do people need to understand? So, like one thing that people often ask me, and there's a few dimensions of what they probably need to understand, and what you didn't say so far is like we take them on a tour and show them some locations. So, what you do is you explain what we do, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to take them on a tour until they actually understand what Notel does. Yeah. Right. I mean. We, Trevor and I have talked a lot about, like, we'd love to have somebody pitch us before we actually show them space, because the space is the is the product. I want them bought into the platform, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, you know how many people we, companies we have talked to in New York where that space wasn't their number one choice? They bought it into no town. so often. So yeah. often. And yeah. so they bought into what we do, our flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. Our tailored approach, and that's... That but do we show up still in the first meeting and we visit them at their office? Because at a certain point, we were just sort of responding like a couple of years ago people would just be like what do you have let me come see it and i'd be like okay sure let's meet there i'll meet you there let's talk about it and then after a certain point i think it was after you and trevor uh showed up you're like no we're gonna do it the other way we're gonna like sit down in a meeting room talk about why no a good choice for them is that how do you do it yes so that's the we want to take them through a proper sales cycle right and so whether it's we've had um, the chance to have experience in new york and we have it in london and so we can meet experience we can meet at a coffee shop we can meet at their office a lot of times we're with brokers so uh, they may want to just meet at the space fair enough but but the meeting's not, not going to be like no. look at the HVAC right? no we're spending right. the first five minutes to actually talk about Natel and make sure that we're not just slinging space is what mm-hmm. I like to say we yeah. can't do that we're never and it does win. seem that that's I mean I guess brokers one of the, their tools is relationship I think that they have a huge emphasis on relationship by nature and I'm appreciating more uh, their investment on that but then it, they end up I think generally uh, just walking spaces. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. We have so to. we show up and we say, okay, here's why you're going to choose an hotel. Tailored, flexible. Yeah. Is that what's the... Exactly. Yeah. Like, this is our value prop. Mm-hmm. This is how we're different from anybody else out there. And so 
make sure they understand. Do you feel that. that we're contrasting ourselves to the lease primarily in a conversation like that, or do you think we're primarily contrasting with some co-working companies? So I think in each market, mm -hmm. in each city, we're different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of the time it's probably a, a furnished sublease or yeah. Oh, I see those. Yeah, right, right. Because by the time someone has that level of urgency that they've chosen us, a lot of our customers still have shopped the traditional thing for a long time. Exactly. Now they're at a level of urgency and they're like, oh man, I got nothing I can choose except that thing over there that I saw that some friend is offering or right. apparently Notel does things really fast and tailored, maybe I can use that. So that, that's probably descriptive of the nature of the customer that's finding themselves with us at the moment in certain geographies. I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. but again, and how about, so, and then people always ask me like, why would you pay a premium for Notel? I'm like, no, 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 you're gonna save a lot of money. Let me explain to you. How do you explain it to people? We have to walk them through the cost, honestly. It is a line by line kind of looking at each cost because what I said before, they've never seen that before. They've never thought about it before. Let's mm -hmm. just put it that way, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're definitely a premium product, but we don't have to flaunt that all the time. We mm -hmm. have to just literally break down the cost. And it's a simple it's a simple math situation. And that's My it. math, maybe you can correct my math. Here's what I do. I, maybe I'm wrong because I've been doing this a lot without checking it. It may yeah. have changed lately. So I'm here, right, for, my, I'm here <laughs> for my quarterly training refresh. <laughs> what I say is for every dollar of rent, a company spends another dollar. That other dollar is spent to warehouse empty space they don't need yet, to buy a bunch of furniture and waste money on architects and designers and a lot of time on it and, and the rent they spend on an empty space during that time, and then to run it, choosing all these different companies that they're gonna like try to get to like bring them coffee or do the cleaning or this and that. And they're gonna suck at all of those things. They're not gonna guess the amount of space they need to warehouse correctly. They're not gonna do the design build very efficiently. They're doing it like once every five years. We're doing 15 every week. And they're gonna suck at running the space too. They're gonna, they're basically gonna spend like one to two headcount for every 10 or 20,000 square feet. And in total, that extra dollar is money they just burn and never see again. Right. So why don't you come to us? We do it better, faster, cheaper. And we'll even save you money over the two bucks. We'll say we'll charge you something less. Than that's that. exactly what we say. I mean, that's mm. that. It's very simple. Mm. You have to keep it really simple with mm. these people. Uh, and I think one more thing that you didn't mention is just the, the emphasizing our workplace strategy. I think that's one of our differentiators, and I think mm -hmm. that like, I always hype that up because you're not getting that with a lot of other options out there. Yeah, and you're not getting the prestige in the in the in the like how good it is with other with other companies out yeah. there. Yeah, so, yeah, and so what does it mean to a CEO when you say, hey, we're gonna do workplace strategy? You probably don't, maybe you say those words, but it's, what you mean is we're gonna make you an amazing office that's perfect for your people? We're going, exactly. Yeah. D dependent on the type of workers you have, whether you have marketing, whether you have you know, engineers, whether you have salespeople, like, we're gonna make this like the most efficient, productive space for your company, right? And yeah. as you know, I'm a big fan of culture, and so making I sure that like they culture. emulate culture um, it is just like that's the that's the really sweet part of this business. Like that's the part I love and get really passionate about. But that's something that also can be really brought to the attention of CEOs and CEOs that need that, want that, and you know really want to kind of have that. It's amazing to compete on that. Like that's just a territory that no one else is. They're just no. not there. It's like the whole category of offices existed for a million years, and it's never been about making your people do their best stuff and like work Never. together in new and fresh and interesting ways and just like it's, and we're doing it that yeah. we're leading it yeah and it is a big change actually I mean a lot of heads of real estate seem to work for CFOs still but they have like a key stakeholder yeah. whoever the head of people or HR is right and I wonder if pretty soon the whole real estate thing will simply be an HR people probably department. eventually yeah yeah well and the other thing that to me was a big discovery over this last year and I I really didn't expect it to be true I I just didn't realize it is that being fast matters. So much. That wasn't even part of our pitch in the old days. 
and now it's on demand, so we have a product for that, right? Yeah. It's, it's, so we've got like the more tailored ones, so that's Agile HQ. We've got the, the speedier one that's on demand. In a way, they use a lot of the same mechanics and core sure. processes. And do, you, do we talk to our customers about these two products as separate and distinct ideas? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're savvy enough to know the mm -hmm. position they're in and what they want if we've done a really good discovery and really kind of um, figured out exactly their needs. So we just can offer them the best fit, right? We're the experts and we can tell you what to do. But of course, we give them, we can also share our portfolio, portfolio and what we do um, and the options they have. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Customers, not just customers, but others, I guess, just observers. Because people who are watching what we do just think we've stood everything on its head and it's crazy and they just don't understand it and yet it keeps happening and it keeps repeating yeah. and it keeps expanding. And one of the things they ask me about is like, what about term? Like, what's up with customers wanting really short term? Isn't it just transitional space? And normally what I would say is nobody hires a thousand people and tells them to show up for work so they can move them in a month or a year or even ever. Like the only thing that's uncertain, it's not the location, what's uncertain is how many for how long and what configuration. And that's the thing that unfortunately they're being forced to commit to in the traditional model. It's not about term. The term is the least important thing on the piece of paper. The most important thing is the name of the landlord. Right. The landlord's got one building, maybe two, maybe right. the biggest in New York has like 30, we've got 120. Like, exactly. you want our name on you that want, thing. Exactly, you want to work with us, you want that on your name, yeah. Yeah. Sheet. yeah, and how do you talk about term with them? I mean, how long are people thinking about our companies? thinking about deals. Like, I mean, they talk about a term, yeah, but that's almost like a mechanic that's like an item in the document. Totally. Do people ever talk about like, oh, it's for this long? So once they hear we're flexible and, you know, a minimum of 18 months they can work with us, it's, uh, the conversation gets really easy and all because the longer you work with us, the better of a price they can get. So that's a no-brainer. For people that want, they already know the value of us and they know like I can save a couple of dollars if I just do a three-year deal, which makes sense. I'm going to be here in three <laughs> three years. Um, that I always see the salespeople can obviously increase the, the amount, the term there um, with not a lot of pushback. I think, I think we've done a good job with that. So our account executives in all the different markets, they're all a little different and our customers are a little bit different and the sort of recipe for success must vary. But you're looking across the world, you're hiring and training and supporting and helping develop all these folks through a lot of different tools. Yeah. And I wonder <clears throat> how you would sketch uh, like the qualities of a superb uh, person in, in the growth team, a, a great account executive. Oh man, I've hired so many salespeople that like, they must be different, but we also must have a script, yeah. right? We're just like, hey, people, here's our philosophy. So, no. So, I hate scripts. But ah. I like, uh, I usually know, and I don't mean to, like, make this about me, but I usually know within 10 minutes if this person could be a really good salesperson. And so, it's, here, so, if you have fire in the belly, that is something I can never train you on. I can never teach you nothing. And so, your work ethic is, is, is everything. And so that's what I dig into in my first 10 minutes. Um, you know, we, we can get into no tell and how they sell and, you know, and, their, and what they like to do on the weekends. That, that's great. But honestly, like hearing about how they are going to get over adversity or work through something or, you know, what they find, what they're motivated by, that's to me everything. Because again, I can't teach you that. I can teach you how to sell no, no tell, mm. I can teach you how to ask the right questions. So skill and right. will, will cannot be developed, skill can be taught. How about the, but is, is even like, is the relationship magnetism, stickiness 
yeah, a skill? I could, you can teach it? Definitely. I think we could, you could teach it. You have to have some sort. I mean, if you're having a conversation with that person face-to-face, I'll know right away they can, they can have a, a proper conversation. But, mm-hmm. yeah, and build relationships. I think, uh, but I can teach. We can, we can get How many people that. are we not hiring for the people that we do hire? How many, how many do you look at? I mean, we've hired lots of people. I mean, we, we currently have a, like a couple dozen, it sounds like, but uh, we've probably hired 50 or 60 over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, so let's just put like in my terms, the last... Because you've looked at like a zillion people. I'm yeah, just in the last two or three weeks, I've probably hired one out of 10. It's a pretty selective process. Yeah, we're hiring the best. Have you, have you interviewed two out of 10, three out of 10, 10 I've, out of 10? Like out of those ten? Yeah. How many I, did you interview? I interviewed eight. Whoa! So you get ten applicants and you interview eight. It is so important the interview. Yeah. In your of process. course. It's all about the interview, and then that's a massively selective step. Yes. And your thumbs up is the way they advance. How many other meetings have to so happen? So there are a couple. Um, uh-huh. A couple people are involved, but it, depending on the role, depending on wow. if it's an SDR or an AE yeah. or if it's a higher level. And AE. it's such a like performance, like such an easy to measure job that presumably like a lot of folks must show up and they know like it's going to be a few months or whatever and they're going to find out if it's a good match like is yeah. that just what it's like yeah in the I mean, sales it, I mean sales takes about two to three months to really ramp up uh-huh. um, but it's very black or white it's very right is it working this, for you, you is this the right area yeah. yeah this is your quota this is what you need to do uh-huh. uh, and so and at this point we've seen it across enough people in a bunch of different markets that our quotas are not just like bogus fiction like they're real yeah, they're and real. there's people doing them all day long and it's like they're real. you should be able to figure it out yeah, and I guess there are a lot of different uh, other opportunities around our organization, and I have noticed that some folks that tried their hand at sales found themselves more prosperous in a different sure. function or something like that, and that is kind of cool. Sure, and if they're yeah, if they're yeah. valuable enough, like we'll yeah. put them where they can excel. But I think um, some of the AEs that are really successful here just don't just sell and just hit that number every month. They do a little bit more, obviously, and that's yeah. what we want, especially for our, our rocket ship. It is a rocket ship, and yeah. it's fun. It's going fast. Eight cities. DC is open now. Yeah. And I guess it'll be like 15 by the end of the year. About, yes. Yeah, so Exciting. buckle up. I know. Thank you for being on Hello, Hello, Ange. <laughs> Thanks, Walsh. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. All right.